0: Welcome, my fellow wannabes, to another edition of The Wannabe Critics. I am one of your hosts, Gabriel Fast, and joining me is... Well, this is... How are we going to do this? This is kind of weird. Okay, first joining me, go ahead, the one that's really, really far away.
1: Uh, I guess that's me. So, um <laughs> Caleb Henley. I'm in New York, which I guess is the farther away place. <laughs> that's right. Yeah.
0: My, he only lives about an hour from me. Oh, I just ruined his intro. <laughs> oh god Gabe I'm so sorry go ahead bro
2: hi I'm Mikey
0: <laughs> Mikey have you I'm ever been Arkansas yeah you're in our Arkansas. so we have an Arkansasian and a New Yorkian um <laughs> what a new, an Arkansasian and a New Yorkian or is it New Yorker
1: <laughs> man this is already off uh, oh such
0: my a great god start. it's so stupid <laughs> I believe all right, of- well, if you can't tell by the intro music, you guys are in for quite the treat because we have finally started our next wanna be crud- wannabe critics project, which is going through all the Fast and the Furious movies. And Mikey, you're like probably the biggest fast and the furious fan that I know, like especially the older ones like the original ones. So I'm really excited for you to take this journey with Caleb and I to potentially become a true wannabe. I wish I had an I wish I had an applause thing because I would I would insert it right here. Maybe I can do it later. I don't know. We'll see. So we are starting with the very first Fast and the Furious movie. Now, gentlemen, why don't you kind of tell me your history with the Fast and the Furious movies? Why they matter to you? Why you know the the whole the whole deal? Mikey you go first.
1: You go, yeah, you go ahead Mikey. Okay. Uh well,
2: I just remember when me and Gabe were kids, uh we would spend a lot of time just at our grandmas or with just with Philip and Arthur in general. And I remember Philip would always talk about the Fast and Furious movies and like turning on NOS when he was being mean to us or beating us up or something. <laughs> and so I feel like that was like originally when I got into it cuz I was like what the heck is he talking about? So we started watching the Fast and Furious movies, and I watched them religiously for till now, actually. Because I'll I'll watch the first one like every couple months, probably. But I I don't know how many times I've seen the first one, the second one, and Tokyo Drift. Okay,
0: yeah. So, so Mikey, you and I definitely had a a pretty. A uh, Fast and the Furious heavy, which kind of went in hand hand in hand with like the need for speed games. Like we played those. Mm-hmm. We spent hours tricking our cars out. I remember very vividly you always um, being a complete tool whenever I would make my car. And if I ever had red and green together, you'd be like, "Oh, dude, those are Christmas colors. No one want, No one likes that." And I'd be like, "I freaking like it. Screw you, dude. Every every single time." But it was like that was like a huge part of our childhood was those. Were, were those movies? So yep. yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of cool that we're able to sit down and talk about it. Caleb, why don't you tell us your kind of history with the movies?
1: Um, so pretty similar. Um, both my parents actually they loved the Fast and Furious movies, especially uh, the first one. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of grew up watching um, those ones, and then it probably wasn't until I was maybe like ten or like a preteen that. I actually got to finally see the second one and the third one and uh, then just kind of fell in love with the whole series from there. But um, yeah, they're just special and similar thing. It's funny. You bring up need for speed. So need for speed was like my favorite um, video game growing up as a kid. So I don't know. I've probably put more hours into need for speed games than any other video game um, out there. And it's funny just those games kind of go hand in hand with fast and furious to me for whatever weird reason um it's just there's so many things that are kind of like either borrowed or ripped off from each other which is kind of funny um but all in all it's just i don't know i just kind of fell in love with the whole fast and furious thing ever since i was a little kid It's just something kind of special
0: yeah i think we all kind of share that that thing and it's funny that you say that like about the them going kind of hand in hand like ripping things off of each other because I totally agree with that and like I would always think about like oh Vin Diesel's driving my car right now or Paul Walker is driving like if I had a muscle car I'm like oh Vin Diesel's like my character And it's kind of cool like the need for speed games don't really have a you know a protagonist so not usually anyways and like it's kind of cool to make up your guy like it's almost like an RPG in a sense, like you you can make up your guy's story, and fit it into it, and in inadvertently, I always was putting Fast and Furious characters into, you know, those Need for Speed games. But yeah, the both of those franchises are really really special, and um, Need for Speed definitely has our hearts as as fans. So, again, I want to thank you guys for making the time to to talk about this and and to get this started. I, it's obviously only fitting that we kind of talk about um, the first movie you know and I think we should give them a score at you know kind of like how we did with all the Star wars movies Caleb like at the end of each thing we're gonna give it a score and then we're gonna rank it at the very end So obviously all of these movies are varying forms of ridiculous but <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we can all agree that this first movie is the least ridiculous out of all of them.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's probably the most realistic out of all of them, which is kind of funny because it's still kind of crazy. Yeah,
0: part. totally. Mikey?
1: On it being the realist
2: one? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. It's... Uh, God. They went so off the wall with every other movie. Yeah, <laughs> But, well, I, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah I, I was a, yeah, I would just say, too, like I, I tried to start up the second one right after I finished the first one last night. And it was just so sad to me how <laughs> like so far off just mm-hmm. the whole vibe was, you know, you could tell that you could tell they were trying to recreate the first movie and they wanted to recreate that so bad. But it just it didn't happen, in my opinion. So but we'll get into the second movie another time. So let's get into the first movie. So, the first Fast and the Furious movie, let me go ahead and pull up who directed it. Unless you guys... I feel like it's Rob Cohen, um, which I don't think he's directed any other Fast and the Furious movie since the first one. So, yeah. So, we have the Fast and the Furious. He also directed Triple X. And, yeah, I I don't... He also directed Triple X, State of the Union. He didn't do any other fast and the furious movies after this first one which kind of it's it's kind of sad mm-hmm. but um because i feel like you know justin lynn the guy who did tokyo drift and also i think he did fast six or seven and he's doing the new one i think he is a really good person to do these movies but yeah i mean we'll, we'll get into that later as we keep talking about these movies as well but anyways directed by rob cohen we the the plot is pretty simple there's a guy trying to infiltrate a they don't call themselves a gang, but they're trying to infiltrate this group of street racers to investigate, you know, these robberies from these truck drivers. And that's kind of where our plot starts. Would you guys agree with that? Anything to add to the plot? I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you guys feel like that kind of sums it up in a nutshell?
1: Yeah, I think so. I've 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 heard it um kind of described before as being like the movie Point Break, which is a 90s movie with uh, Patrick Swayze and Keona Reeves and Gary Busey, um, where Keona Reeves is an undercover FBI agent that, um, like, infiltrates these surfers that are doing bank robberies. It's kind of like a very, very similar story, but just with cars and street racing. And I think, yeah, it's if you watch those two movies back to back, they are incredibly similar, um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's just this undercover cop who's trying to infiltrate and kind of get into the street racing gang to try to figure everything out.
2: Yeah, I could totally see the the connection between Point Break and Fast and Furious. Uh, but the only thing is like AAA actors and then like B actors because it's like their first movie, you know. So, but I personally like Fast and Furious way better. Um, but yeah, in in, a, in the simplest terms, yeah, that's that's a really good comparison.
0: Yeah, I never actually put that together until you just said that, Caleb, but yeah, they are like basically the exact same movie, which is kind of crazy, except one has <laughs> cars and the other one is just about, you know, surfer dudes, but it's a pretty simple yeah. plot, which, you know, a simple plot gives gives room for the characters to grow. And, you know, really you don't want an overcomplicated plot whenever you have such diverse characters as we're going to see later on in the series. But let's kind of talk about the characters for a minute. Okay, but actually, first of all, let me ask you guys. Do you like this movie, Caleb?
1: Yeah, dude, I love this movie. I think it's it's very much kind of a product of its time. And there's just like some like nostalgia about it. But overall, I I, I like it. It's It's a good just kind of like almost like junk food type movie, but it's it's great.
2: <laughs> yeah, same for me. I, I love it. It, it. Yeah, the nostalgia, just like Caleb said, is totally turn up to 100 for me, obviously. But yeah, and it's probably... Uh, I don't want to give away where I rank it yet. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. let you know later.
0: <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And I'm the same way. Like This movie, each time I watch it, it like... It, it's timeless. It like never gets old for me ever. Yeah. Like I never get sick of watching this movie and it's almost like I kind of so much time will pass where I'm kind of like, Oh, I forgot about that particular detail. You know, this time, you know, like this time through, I kind of picked up a couple of other things that I wasn't really paying attention to before, or, you know, maybe I was paying attention, but it's like kind of really like I, I got more out of it this time. I don't know. I, I, I love this movie i think it's really good i think it's um definitely i think it's definitely I, I i don't think you would see as many um action movies be the same without this franchise and it all started here so i don't know if you guys have ever have you guys ever watched the commentary or like the directors um you know kind of talking about where they got the idea for this movie and how it even came about really? Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, I haven't watched like the director's cut, but I have like seen like YouTube videos and seen information about how they kind of got the idea for it.
0: Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it like they were the guy, the director was actually going and the street racing movement, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s was something that was really prevalent around that time, especially in the California area. And he saw, like, how much money was being spent, you know, on all these car parts and stuff like that. And the cars that you see in the movie weren't really far off from what people were driving, you know, in those particular parts of California. And he was like, oh, my God, we have to make a movie about this. Does that pretty much sum it up? Mikey, I know you you probably know more about this than me, but is that pretty much right?
2: Yeah. You, well, actually, you know the scene where they're all on the main road and, like, there's hundreds of cars lined up? Yeah, that is all people from the California area. That's all their cars and the real people that drive them.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: Yeah, that's it's that's one hundred percent (laughs) correct.
0: Gotcha. So it's kind of like, hey, we're making a movie and we need it to look legit. Can you come and be in our movie? And yeah, you know that's that's, exactly what they did. That's dope. And that that's pretty that 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 should really speak to the time, you know, and like kind of. I don't think they had a, a huge budget to make this movie, and just the fact that they were able to get it to look so lavish and like real kind of is kind of cool when you think about it, because I mean, you know, they could mm-hmm. spend from that point on and even now they can spend whatever they want, <laughs> you know, yeah. on, on whatever cars they want to make them look a certain way. So mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, let's talk about the characters for a minute. Who are your guys' favorite characters?
1: Um, well, I love Brian O'Connor. Um, he's, I think a really good uh, character, Paul Walker's character. I don't know it's pretty cool to see like kind of his character growth and the um conflict that he goes through between one uh become a detective um and you know do this and be a good cop but also he's growing and kind of falling in love with this you know this team and with these uh street racers um so i just dom is an awesome character and he just has so many great like one-liners and you can see just how much he cares about his family and about um his team and all of it it's really really kind of kind of cool those are probably my two favorite characters
2: yeah those are those are really good I, i i love brian and dom obviously too but uh i don't know like i have a hard time liking any of the other ones like not not necessarily not liking them but like Jesse, like I don't like. Can you guys give me a second? My dog is freaking. Uh, give me one second. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> um, I'll go, while while he's doing his thing, I'm gonna go ahead and go. Um, sorry. No, dude, it's no worries. This is uh, it'd be different if we were doing it for money, but we're not yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I kinda of get what what you guys are saying too. And I feel like, you know, that was the main goal was to kind of get young young guys to relate to these guys. You know, Brian, you have this this guy who who wants to do the right thing, but you can tell he's an adrenaline junkie and, you know, he is kind of falling in love not only with, you know, the girl and the people, but just the lifestyle. Like you can tell he loves it. But deep down inside, you know, he has an agenda. He has things that he has to do um, to be right, you know, and you can, you can see he's conflicted even from the very beginning of the story. And I always kind of forget, you know, the first time that you see this movie, because, you know, once the cat's out of the bag, you know, as soon as you see Paul Walker on screen, you know, he's a cop. You know what I mean? We just know he is. But I always kind of laugh whenever, um, they show that scene of him being handcuffed after he's been with Dom and friends for the evening. You know, is kind of like a, oh hey, this is they're letting you off the hook, letting you know he's a cop. Whereas you didn't, you you don't you don't really know that before. You know what I mean? Like movie wise, like you can't. They don't ever tell you that he's a cop until that point, like thirty minutes into the movie. So I don't know. It's just kind of funny for me, like watching that scene each time, because I can't remember a time where I. Didn't know that he was actually a cop. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's part. Of, I think that's part of it. Just being a uh, being a movie that you grew up with. It's yeah, it's like um, watching the Star Wars movies and just knowing all along that Darth Vader is Luke's father.
0: Yeah, it's exactly. Like yeah, like, it, it's
1: like twist. But exactly. I, yeah, I can see see what you mean.
0: Yeah, I I love Brian. I love Dom, and it's kind of weird because Dom and Brian are like yin and yang a little bit you know what I mean like because Dom has this real um strong sense of pride and strong sense of you know kind of a, he, he's a really good leader and but at the same time he's an adrenaline junkie you know what I mean like it would make total sense that he wasn't making a living paying for all of that stuff that they had you know, as, as Brian says, doing tune ups and selling groceries, you know, he's an adrenaline junkie and there's no way in heck you could be able to do all that stuff without doing something that was a little bit sketchy and dishonest. And it's friggin' awesome because it's it's at our pleasure that we get to watch it. But yeah, they're definitely my two favorite characters. I just have to say, God bless Jordana Brewster, freaking Mia, dude, especially in this, in this first movie. I was watching it with Emma last night, and I was like, God bless her. And she's like, yeah, no kidding. Like, she agreed with me. I mean, Jordana Brewster is just so scalding hot in this movie. But her acting chops may not be quite up to uh, up to snuff. Letty, I'm scared of her.
1: <laughs> she is terrifying. <laughs> she's scary.
0: I'm like, oh, God, you know, it makes sense that. Um, and it's, it made me sad. I'm like, wow, like Michelle Rodriguez looked like she looks like a baby in this movie. It's crazy. Like she looks so young, but um, I, I do have to say I don't really care for her character that much. Um, Vince is an idiot. I hate that guy. I I, I, <laughs> I he's just an idiot. Um, Blowhard. Worst. He I, yeah. I mean, good god. But the other characters, like what Mikey was mentioning, like Jesse and uh, Leon. The, I like that part. Whenever um, they're at the the grocery store. And he's like, I like his haircut. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but I just thought that was kind of—I just thought that was kind of funny. But anyways, let's let's throw it back to Mikey. Mikey, okay, characters. Let's talk about characters. Who are your favorites?
2: Uh, well, Bryant and Dom, obviously. I mm-hmm. mean, they're they're great. I love. It feels like I don't know. I don't want to say they have a connection right off the bat because Dom's literally trying to kill him. <laughs> so, but it like you get. I love the for being like as cheap of a movie as it was. The character progression with the. As the movie goes on, I really love it. It just feels, it feels genuine, you know, like, but in that cheesy kind of like old movie way, you know, where you don't really question it, but it's like, oh yeah, I can totally see that, you know? Yeah. But it's relatable. I, I, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. And for me, since I like, I, I don't have a brother, but I can totally see like that, like being an outsider and working away into a family. I totally see that. But, yeah, they're definitely my top two. And then uh, I, like, really wish they would have went and Warren to Jesse because, like, I think he could have been, like, a a really, really good character, like, as the tech guy, but his fate is different, obviously, at the end of the movie. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I, I agree this, with that. Those three I really like, but, yeah.
0: I, I agree with that, and it, it's frustrating because – it feels like they could have really utilized the B characters more. And mm-hmm. it's kind of weird whenever you watch the later movies and it's like, okay, well, where's the the guys from the beginning, you know? like, exactly. Like, w- w- whatever happened to Leon? Obviously, we see Vince later on in the story, but um, it's kind of weird. It's like, whatever happened to those guys, you know what I mean? Like, it'd be cool to bring them back for Fast 9 or Fast 10, you know, just kind of... I mean, for God's sakes, if they can bring Han back to life, then... Right. You know, why not... <laughs> Why not, you know, bring some of those earlier characters back and like kind of end? How dope would it be for Fast 10 to just end the same way it started, just street racing, no like cops or anything, like just straight up, kind of like how the first one was. I don't know. That's just I digress. But anyways, I I think that the characters are really super. They're really strong in this movie, and the dynamic and the chemistry that's between Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. I mean, it's just it's uh, it's an, it's evident that they worked really well together. So let's kind of talk about um uh, the subplot a little bit and I kind of feel like I just connected something like John okay, so Johnny Tran, the bad guy of the movie, like the real bad guy, the the Asian, you know, the Asian gang on the motorbikes and stuff like that, which I've always thought that they were really menacing and it did a really good job of really introducing a a bad guy that you were kind of you were kind of scared of them you know what i mean what do you guys think
2: i um,
1: yeah i think so i think i think i was always really really scared of them and i think it took me forever to figure out that they like they're actually the bad guys but at the same time they're not the ones that they that the fbi was actually looking for they're just kind of there in the crossfire yeah but yeah they are kind of scary and uh like I actually kind of like a uh, Johnny trans character and how like, he kind of just is this kind of like privileged, um, gangster. who's like, you can almost tell like his ego is just, he's like trying to compensate. Like he's trying to be something that he's not. Yeah. Cause you see when his like house is raided, like he, his family is like wealthy. Yeah. Preppy. And that, that S 2000 that he's driving is like <laughs> insane. Like he's put, tons and tons and tons of money into that yeah. thing and uh I don't know I think he's just trying to like fit in into this life well he wants but to be then, Dominic Toretto
0: like yeah he does and Mikey does. Mikey I know what you want to say so bad so say it
2: I know this fool's driving a Honda 2000
0: <laughs> <laughs> fool's running a Honda just you can't bet your car man <laughs> you don't know what uh, he's got under that hood I guarantee you he's got a hundred grand under the hood of that car <laughs> Oh, Jesse. I you know, I, I I cut you off, Caleb. I'm sorry, but I I no, I I, co- good. I couldn't help it. Good. I couldn't help it. Um it is a really
1: great part of that movie. Oh,
0: it really is. And like whenever Jesse loses, he's like, "No!" Oh god. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yeah. I watched the movie. when I watched the
1: movie, wa- watched the movie the last time, I was like, "You know what? I would have the exact same
0: reaction." Yeah, like exactly. I would absolutely Yeah. Well, and that scene is so good because that's the first time we see Dom really lay into anybody. And, you know, the part was like, you know, and then Dom just wails on him. And then it takes like half the group there to pull Dom off him. And that just, that does a really good job of a showing how crazy Dom is, but b also showing you how physically strong he is. Like, and it kind of makes sense later on. It's like, you know, there are people, you know, they're just freaks of nature whenever it comes to strength and um dominic is definitely one of those people where it's like you just don't question what he can do like he's just he just is what he is you know it's like the epitome of a, the epitome of a ba you know what i mean so um to an extent to yeah to an extent well i know mikey has so much to say you're going to have to wait until fast 6 7 and 8 mikey um so i really like that dynamic and and i kind of picked up on something this time so you know whenever dom is like that part where they're walking back from the Asian food, like the Asian restaurant. And, uh, you know, Brian was like, who the crap was that? And then Dom's all, it was a business deal that went sour. So I wonder, you know, cause Johnny Tran is kind of relevant. Like the, the FBI is just looking for who might have been doing these things. And it would have made sense that Tran could have been involved in it somehow especially since Dominic did say, oh, yeah, it was a business deal that went sour. I wonder if they had done jobs like that for Johnny Tran in the past <clears throat> and, you know, eventually, like, Tran wanted too much or something like that. I mean, what do you guys think? Did you guys ever pick up on that or ever think about that?
1: I mean, I've never actually too delved into that too much. But, yeah, you could do a prequel about the business deal if you really wanted
0: to <laughs> go back.
1: <laughs> but yeah i mean who knows it kind of leads so much up to the imagination and for the you know viewer to kind of fill in the gaps of who knows what yeah. actually happened it's it's one of those weird like kind of plot holes in the movie where yeah. you don't really understand what all johnny tran actually is yeah why is he yeah does and right everything
0: why but, is he significant mikey go for it
1: Well, mikey probably knows uh, uh dom slept
2: with his sister <laughs>
0: Oh well, yeah, that's yeah. well that's yeah. yeah that that's that's yeah. definitely a part of it. Um, yeah, but the I've I've always wondered about that. Like,
1: what's who's sister?
0: yeah? Who's his sister? Like, why why even bring Johnny Tran into the into the whole equation and the plot? Like, he's a cool character. I wish we had more. And yeah, that'd be pretty dope. I I I would I'd be lying if I say if I said that um, I wouldn't I wouldn't love to see a um. A prequel with some black uh Hondas with the green neon taking down some trucks you know what I mean doing a business deal for Johnny Tran like Tran would have never been the one doing it but it would have obviously been the original team doing it like I don't know I've, I think it would be kind of dope to, to see that again I, I love that imagery at the beginning of the movie where you see the black Hondas and are those are just civics right yeah. Honda Civics? Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, with the green
0: neon. With the green neon, yeah. So, green Honda or Honda Civics with the green neon, taking down the truckers. And I love the imagery that we have of that because you don't really ever get the sense. And it's kind of funny that they would play off of the Asian demographic a little bit and making you think like those type of people might be driving <laughs> Hondas. You know what I mean? Because they are kind of brought in as a suspect. Yeah, have you guys ever thought about that before? That was something I picked up on this time as well.
1: Not. I've never thought that just because every single one of the cars that anyone drives in this movie is Japanese. They're all JDM. Um, And that's Mm -hmm. kind of that whole culture for the most part is very like Japanese tuner culture. Um, I think, I mean, I can't really think of a single car in this movie that's not Japanese. (laughs) Except for the,
0: except for the charger at the end
1: well yeah except for the charger but and that that changes more and more as the movie or as the new movies have come out like there's more variety but i think at least in this movie i think almost all of the cars are japanese and that entire culture i think very much revolves around japanese imports
0: yeah yeah so it would make sense for them to you know to be in there mikey you got something to say
2: yeah it doesn't uh Brian like drive a Dodge Neon and a Ford F one fifty for like the whole movie until <laughs> he gets that Supra.
1: <laughs> that's no, that's not a Neon. That's a is it not TBC Eclipse.
2: Yeah, it's oh, an Eclipse. At the very that's beginning. that's what it is. Okay, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. so yeah, you're right. I
2: I love that Ford that he drives. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's all tricked out. That's funny.
0: Um, the uh the Supra though, like, oh, man, uh, that is such a cool like part of the movie. And I I don't know. I thought it was kind of odd, you know, that like he brings in this car after it's like, okay, yeah, the buster got me out of handcuffs, like, blah, 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 blah. And just all of a sudden, like, Dom's just very, it seems like Dom's almost eager to trust Brian, you know, like he wants to trust Brian. He likes Brian. Mm -hmm. Why? Why does he like Brian so much?
2: He saved
1: him. He's the only one that helped him.
0: Yeah. Okay. What else?
1: I think it's just something like, dom probably has a strong like judge of character and i think i think you don't really see it too too much but i think like all of their interactions in the movie i think brian's just proving himself more and more to dom whether it's the interaction of the fight at the you know store or after or him buying into the race and then after he gets beat at the race like i think dom is able to judge his character more and more and kind of make a judgment about what this guy is even before he gets picked up and saved by a Brian.
0: Yeah. One, like, uh, Mia kind of said like, okay, yeah. People just kind of, there were a couple things like she said, okay, like, yeah, like one day Jesse and Leon just kind of showed up and like, they've been here ever since. Okay. So that would imply, you know, Vin Diesel kind of has this like rough around the edges persona, but, Multiple things have been confirmed that he actually is pretty accepting whenever it comes to people. Am I wrong in saying this?
1: Um, I'm sorry. Repeat that.
0: <laughs> so, okay. So Vin Diesel, like Dom kind of puts off this persona like he is rough around the edges. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Okay. So there's a scene in the movie where... Mia is, like, talking about how one day, like, Jesse and Leon or or Vince and Leon just showed up and, like, they had been there ever since, like, in that Dom has this personality of people just, like, being attracted to him, like, people, like, just are drawn to Dom, and you can kind of see that, you know, whenever he enters the race or, you know, he, he like, goes and they're talking about the buy-in, like, everyone's around Dom, so I just think it's kind of funny that, throughout the entire movie it's just kind of funny to me that like dom Dom is very accepting of brian and yes brian does prove himself like repeatedly like family all this other stuff but his character and like the way he acts like just in general it's kind of off-putting like i'm i'm not really drawn to dom i don't want to be friends with him if if I, if he was a real person i'm like nah i'm good like you, you scare me but i mean do you guys get what i'm trying to say at all here like i'm just kind of talking around on this it just the profile kind of doesn't make sense for the character given, in my opinion. At at times, at times, Mikey.
1: What's the question? <laughs> I can I can I think I can kind of try to answer. If you want Gabe? Yeah, go for it. I I think the Dom is just there's there's certain people out there who put up a hard exterior, um basically because they only want real people around them. They don't necessarily want to be surrounded by fake people. Yeah. And I think I think Dom is one of those people. I think Dom is fine like having a bunch of shallow friends all around him and you can kind of see that in the movie, but I think what really really matters to him are the people that are real and like you know, those people that are like family to him. And he views them like family. Hey as a deep love and like with all of those people. So whether that's Letty or Vince or Leon or Brian or Mia or whatever, he's really, really close and drawn into those people. And there's certain people, those types of people kind of put up a protective shield because for whatever weird, for whatever reason, I think he's just has that shield. But once you kind of prove to him that you're a real person and that you kind of qualify to get into this family, he's much more like accepting and more almost like loving than your um, average person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. So if that's, that that makes that, any sense. that's
0: exactly what I was looking for. And yeah. I wanted to, I, I, that's kind of what I was looking for. I didn't really quite know how to ask the question to get to that. But it's funny that he is that way because what ends up happening <laughs> to him, he lets someone in, you know, potentially against his better judgment. And you know, he he does care for people, like uh, like you said. All those things are, are correct. And then what ends up happening? He gets screwed because Brian isn't a real person, really. Like, he's fake.
1: Yeah, well, I think the thing is there is I think if it was any other cop, he would have never let him into his cir- circle. But because it was Brian, because Brian is an adrenaline junkie and he's falling in love with the lifestyle, it's like he's a conflicted character who's somehow able to kind of breach into that. And that's the only reason. He, if it was anybody else, I don't think it would have worked.
0: Yeah, totally. Which is probably why they were utilizing Brian in the first place. And do we ever really learn about like what Brian's background is and how he became a cop?
1: Uh, I don't remember. I think not that. I, not that I know
0: of. Because yeah. I I can't think of any 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 <clears throat> part in any of the movies. Where unless it's in Too Fast, Too Furious, because you know, his he kinda gets brought up or kinda gets brought back like um, like his pa- go ahead, Mike. Yeah.
2: I'm pretty sure that this movie is actually his first job, like as a cop. Not as a cop, but as an undercover cop. Yeah. I'm pretty sure so this is too. the beginning
1: of his career. Gotcha. But okay. Yeah. I do think you learn a little bit more about his backstory. There's some, like, dialogue between him and uh, Tyrese Gibson and Too Fast, Too Furious. Where yeah. kind of talk about their background. Mm-hmm. And Most who stuff. knows? There might dive into it a little bit more in uh, Fast and Furious, the fourth <laughs> movie. But I can't remember anything too, too specifically.
0: Yeah, I can't either. I don't know. I just – it's frustrating whenever I watch this movie over again because I love this movie. But – I just I wanna know I want everything to make sense and like I want everything to be explained because the characters do such a good job of selling me the story, but you know, there we don't get a a concrete explanation for everything and then you have to come back to it and it's like, man, this movie's so good, but it's a fast and the furious movie. It's not supposed to make sense. And that's what that's that's honestly my biggest problem with the franchise. And, you know, it, it starts here. It's like, okay, I want to know everything from this first movie. Like you could have made this movie two and a half hours long, you know, but but I don't think they knew how big this was going to be back then when they first made it, you know, how, because me and you were talking about this, Caleb, like the, they built a fan base. They built a culture because why? Like go ahead and tell the story that you told me when we were playing cards.
1: So that's the thing. So um, it was a YouTube video that I watched. Um, but it was talk, this first movie, it's very much an indie movie and it's low budget. Um, they picked the release date for it when they had very little competition and they kind of went for a specific niche, niche of people that they knew that they could kind of, you know, um, attract to the box office, but it ended up attracting a lot more people than just that. And people fell in love with this movie. It became such a cult classic that it did kind of build a fan base and you got all of these people that started getting into, you know, cars and getting into imports and JDM and, and started kind of appealing to all these different people. And over time with each subsequent movie with a kind of a dip at Tokyo drift, um, it started building up more and more and more and more because people kind of started like falling in love with the whole car culture idea of it in the beginning but then they started falling in love with the characters and they started falling in love with the whole family idea of it and that's all of the newer movies have been very much like centered family idea because that's what has attracted so many people into these movies at first it was kind of like this car culture thing for time it's really turned into like everyone is kind of in love with the characters Yeah. In the the family. Totally. It's kind of an interesting thing.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. And it's like, it's almost like, and I know Mikey has a problem with it, but it's almost like the, (laughs) the plot and the things that happen in the movie almost don't even have to really matter that much. Um, to, to me it's like they've gotten more and more ridiculous. Once they brought Letty back to life, I was like, okay, well, apparently we're going to go to space at some point because anything is possible. <laughs> and now, you know, you see the whole Han coming back. Like, I'm really <laughs> I am really interested to see how they're going to do that, but I totally and that's kind of what this whole thing was getting, you know, I kind of had you guys on the hook a little bit whenever I was I wasn't able to explain myself, but these movies are about characters and at the same time, it's an action movie. I think these movies are definitely designed to make you feel a sense of relatability and like you're around old friends, which it totally does for me. It's like I, I could probably I could watch this movie anytime. I think because it is so familiar, and um, I I just you can you can write a lot of stuff off because it doesn't have to make total sense i mean do you think okay that there is a a whole culture around the it doesn't have to make sense because it's fast and furious mikey i want you to kind of explain your thoughts on that because i know you have a a problem with it
2: yeah that that is i don't understand how people can think i I can understand somebody going into a a fast and furious movie now and being like oh i just want to go enjoy a fun movie cuz it doesn't have to be realistic but the first like 3 to 4 movies were based on realism and like i now dom i don't i don't want to spoil the next movies but like it's it's just like they took everything and turned it up to 10 for no reason i understand like having a good popcorn movie but i mean i really think they didn't have to go that route and they did but I don't know. I just I feel like we could have gotten like even even if we didn't have ten Fast and Furious movies or however many there is now, if we had like three good ones that were just like the first one and like continued the story, I think it would have been an amazing, an even better series because people would be like, "You remember that Fast and Furious trilogy or something like that," you know. But that's not what we got. So, but I'm still a Fast and Furious fan and I like the story and where they went with it, but. I feel like they could have easily gone a completely different way and been just as good if not better,
1: personally. And I think I kind of differ. I think that the, you know, producers and whoever, you know, is kind of deciding where the Fast and Furious series goes, I think they kind of try to pick out what they can do well and what they can't do well. I think they decided early on they can't they probably wouldn't be able to make nearly as much money and be as successful by trying to be more realistic and serious. Yeah. Which, um, and I think that's kind of where it went. So they said, okay, we have this, you know, series that kind of is centered around cars and craziness. And I wanted to talk about the stunts with this movie and these incredible stunts. So mm-hmm. what can we do? Or oh, Like, okay, we can, you know, throw seriousness and realism out the window and just create a crazy Product that is just going to blow people's minds and just make people almost just kind of gasp at the sheer ridiculousness of everything that's happening. And you go through, like, the you know, basically five through um, eight or now nine movies, and you look at some of the stunts that they have done, whether it's jumping cars out of planes or through buildings or the 60 mile long runway or um, <laughs> whatever, or the rock pushing a torpedo with his arm or breaking out of a cap oh or shooting uh, grenades with a handgun from a mile away <laughs> on a helicopter. <laughs> you look at any of that, and it's just so ridiculous. And it's just, it for me, I kind of have to, like, steer into the turn, just like you're trying to do, like, a drift. You just steer into it, and you just grab that popcorn and just enjoy the heck out of it. Because it's so ridiculous and it's such junk food, and it's just you gotta turn your mind off and not think about it and just laugh. Yeah, because it's so ridiculous.
0: So, I'm kind of in the middle of both you guys because, <laughs> on one hand, I see the argument of okay, I, I can't enjoy this. If we were little kids watching these new things happen, I can tell you for a fact we would all love it.
2: I would. I would agree with that. But yeah.
0: And I, I, it's frustrating now because it's like, oh, like these aren't really the characters that I know because you're, it's, not, it's not quite the same as it is and it isn't. You know, it's just this really weird feeling. It is like junk food. Like you can't – you want, you want to take it seriously. You know you do, but you can't. Like you can't let yourself go there. And these little kids that are watching it now, they're totally getting to experience it in a whole different way than what we did because now – they have movies to binge. Like they have all these movies to binge and it's just like whenever you're a kid, everything like the transformers movies, whenever you're a kid, I don't, I think we can all agree. The first transformers movie was freaking awesome. But as we grew up and got like a little bit more mature within four or five years, it was like, yeah, these suck actually. You know what I mean? Like, do you guys get kind of get what I'm saying? Um, yeah, either way I'm in it for the characters at this point. The stunts are funny and the more serious route I, they did go the more serious route, you know, with later in the franchise, like the number four, the fast and fury or fast and furious is a good one. You know, that's that's, that's a good one. I really like that how it's like a direct sequel to the first movie. And mm-hmm. you know, too fast too furious, we don't see Dominic in it because to my knowledge, Vin Diesel didn't want to do a sequel. Um No,
1: he didn't.
0: And because it was kind of like a one and done thing, whatever. Paul Walker was down, you know, and like they kind that's kind of where they had Rome. Only my homeboys call me Rome, you know. (laughs) And then that came out in 2002 or three. Then you had Tokyo Drift that didn't come out until 2006. Mm -hmm. So you kind of thought that Fast and Furious was done, you know. And I don't think that it was kind of interesting, you know, we'll talk about like how they tease things at the end of Tokyo, at, at the end of Tokyo drift and like how the timeline, whenever people started realizing like, Oh, this is actually a really good idea to keep this going, how they've kind of had to hobble the, the timeline together. And, um, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think pretty much everyone was done with fast and the furious after this first movie, except for Paul Walker. Um, and, You know, I'd love to be told I'm wrong. We should do some research and come back on the next episode, stuff like that. But anyways, I'm, you know, I I think we can all agree, like nobody wanted to make a second movie except for Paul Walker. Paul Walker is apparently the dude that was down for anything.
1: Well, I think it was probably a combination of Paul Walker and the producers and studio that made a butt ton of money off of this indie movie. Yeah. It ended up just completely crushing it. And then once a movie that they probably didn't expect to crushes, crush it as much as it did, crushed it, they're like, well, crap, we got to make more. This yeah, is, this totally. Is, this is what people want. When I think and there's
0: there, – yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I just – I think that it just kind of took everyone by surprise. And, yeah, it's probably – Paul Walker is probably the only one that could get it back right away. And I think with Vince, uh, Vin Diesel, I think what he wanted to do more of was the triple X movies, which yeah. were coming up around the same time. Yeah, And what he wanted – I think the what the Fast and Furious movies became are I think what Vin Diesel wanted the Triple X franchise to become. I I, I would it, I would agree with that. It never got there and it never quite took off the same.
0: Yeah, when well, you know Vin Diesel was a much bigger star at that point. He had been in some really big films and he's just a better actor. You know, he's a better actor than Paul Walker and um in my opinion anyways. And I mean, he he had more roles. He was the face of Triple X right after the Fast and the Furious. I mean, he did have a lot more things going for him than Paul Walker did around that time. But yeah, I I definitely agree with you and it's I thank God that they did make more because now we have some serious movies but we have a lot of junk food as well. So I want to read you guys 15 facts um, about this movie really fast. So number one, it's not known to the extent, um, it's not known to what extent the young cast members were hooking up behind the scenes but director Rob Cohen confirmed that all of the lead players were were romantically involved in real life with their respective (laughs) on-screen love interests. Vin started to get the hots for Michelle and vice versa. And he says Paul was definitely into Jordana. I think for (laughs) sure this doesn't surprise any of us because of how good their chemistry is, all of those characters' chemistry is on screen. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Well, I mean... Not at all.
0: yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, especially, you know... You know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you're into it? All right. Um, okay, here's here's one that kind of surprised me. Second love story devised on the fly. The Letty Ortiz character wasn't written as a leading role, but once Rodriguez joined the cast of Player, Cohen carved out more screen time for the breakout actress. He did this by developing a love story between Letty and Dom. How much different would this franchise be if Dom and Letty didn't love each other?
1: Uh, pretty different we wouldn't even have six seven and eight would be very different
0: yeah i mean we may not even have a six seven and eight we may have ended it with the fast and the furious it's just kind of weird to think about if only (laughs) um two leads weren't even licensed to drive both jordana brewster and michelle rodriguez didn't have their driver's licenses before making the film
2: i heard about that one
0: that is crazy to me Um, (laughs) which they look, I mean, Michelle Rodriguez looks young. Jordana Brewster looks a little bit old for her age, I think. But wow, I mean, I mean, she was 20. She was 20 when they made it. Yeah. Well, that's where they didn't have a, which I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're in Los Angeles and you're, I mean, they do taxis there. Right. I mean, is that a thing?
2: or they walk.
0: Or they yeah, or they walk. That may be why they're in such I mean, good it's all shape. Ubers now, yeah, yeah, it's all Ubers now. Who knows? We weren't around then. Or we weren't really in the scene back then. Mm-hmm. Um the actors went to racing school in Las Vegas. Walker Rodriguez, Diesel, and Brewster all drove Formula 1 cars in preparation for their racing scenes. We could see right away Paul was going to be an ace driver, Cohen said. It was clear he had a natural talent. He had no fear. You could see he was falling in love with the whole car business. This is really interesting to me because Paul Walker, he had all of those like he had a bunch of cars. He had a skyline. He had um a handful of the cars that he I believe that Skyline that he drives the silver one, I think that's his car in the second one.
1: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, but I mean it's kind of crazy. Um I'm not gonna read all of these, but this is just like the headline. Okay, this is one that's kind of interesting too. The movie came very close to an R rating. Imagine how much less the original Fast would have made at the box office if it missed the landing and its inclusive PG-13 rating. Cohen was rightly nervous it would get an R rating because there was violence, illegal car activity, and two girls kissing in one of the film's party scenes. I later found out that the MPAA thought it was one girl and one boy with long hair, said the director in a past interview. (laughs) Could did, at any point in this movie do you guys think oh this should be rated R? Nah, no, I
2: not,
1: I mean not super. It's, <laughs> it it does have some rough parts to it. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think it's super. I don't know. I'm not a raider.
0: Yeah. I well, I'm. I mean, it's just kind of weird to think because that just seems so taboo. Like there weren't a ton of things being most everything that rated back then was PG 13, you know, because that's what was making a lot of money. It was kind of like coming out of the era of the more conservative, um, demographic where yes, R rated movies were being made, but it wasn't that often. Now everything's rated R because people want to be edgy, you know, in their minds. But, Everything was rated PG-13 back in the day. And number nine kind of goes hand in hand with this. It says, cuts were also made in order to get the coveted PG-13 rating. Matt Schultz, who played Vince, part of Dom's crew in the original, appeared so bloodied in one scene, Cohen had to cut the graphic parts to appease the MPAA. He also pared down a sequence that involved Johnny Tran pouring oil into the mechanic's mouth. That, That part where the mechanic is getting oil all like, you that's know, scary. It really, yeah, it's, it's disturbing. Terrifying. It's an intense scene. The whole trucker demographic as well. That's an intense part of the movie. And yeah, yeah
1: when he's getting shot on the truck.
0: Yeah. Like, I that's mean, that's
2: terrifying. probably the, that's probably the bloody part is after he gets shot and they're waiting for the helicopter.
0: Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, it, it, I could totally, and, and that just goes to show how, how much footage they probably shot. And mm-hmm. how much editing they actually did and why there may have been things potentially that we don't know because of the editing. You know, there's there's X amount of scenes and I I, I need to go through and watch some of the deleted scenes. I've never watched them, but it oh, is kind of really? yeah, I've never watched them. Have you watched them? Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Yeah.
2: I've watched everything on that entire disc. Like, cause I had the D V D and I like burnt it out.
0: Yeah. Um but yeah. Number ten is kind of interesting. The movie was fashioned after a 1998 article published in Vibe magazine about New York street racers, New York City street racers. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's when Rob Cohen was talking about he was watching the street races, and I'm thinking New York City. Okay, like that's kind of weird, you know, because New York City is so packed, but that would that just goes to show that you know the roadblocks and stuff like that. Are, that's probably a huge part of how those things even happen, you know, is like the fake roadblocks and the coordination and the teams and stuff like that. I mean, it, it would make sense that that would be kind of happening, but I know he also went to Los Angeles to research it as well. Cause they were doing the same thing there. Um, mm-hmm. okay. And let's, I'm going to skip down to number 15. Um, a whole lot of cars were used. The race war secret sequen- sequence, <laughs> the race war sequence, <laughs> made use of (laughs) 1,500... Made use of 1,500 cars and 1,000 extras. So 1,500 people, 1,500... I mean, this probably goes back to Mikey's point as well. Like 1,500 people probably brought their cars you know, to do that. And they had a thousand extras in that whole race wars thing. Could you imagine how that would have been like on set having all those people around and like knowing it's like, okay, this is a set, but like they're actually kind of partying. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that would have been wild, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I just want to rein all that in. Holy yeah. Crap. Holy crap. Like, good luck. Um, yeah. So that was just a couple of things that I found interesting about the movie. And, um, on that particular list. And it, it is kind of crazy how like in depth you can go off of an indie movie like this, you know, and how this indie movie inspired something much, much bigger. Caleb, I know you wanted to say something about the stunts and I think I know where you're going with it. Go ahead.
1: No, I just wanted to, yeah, mention the stunts. Cause I think this movie has the most practical stunts out of all of them because it's an indie movie with a low budget and the time period that it was actually, you know, shot at but the shot of letty driving under the truck is incre- so incredibly iconic yeah. and cool mm-hmm. um the uh, part where um dom and uh, uh brian are drag racing at the end and dom hits the uh semi and flips over <laughs> brian is such a cool shot like yeah. such a stinking cool shot um the whole chase sequence Um, where, um, Brian is chasing, uh, Johnny Tran on the uh, motorcycle, like through, you know, LA and ends him like with the shootout. That whole sequence is awesome. Um, I'm probably missing a few like sequences where it's just, it just has such cool, like stunts and it looks so realistic. Yeah. It's such a cool how they were able to do that on such a small budget is just really, really awesome.
0: Well, and on that list too, it said that there was the one stunt where um or the one scene where Dom is wailing on Johnny Train. He actually broke the one of the security guard's nose with a flying elbow in that scene. Like he got a little <laughs> he, he got a little too into it and like, you know, he broke he broke one of the stunt guys' nose. So yeah, I mean, there's a level of rawness there and a level of, yeah, like like you said, practicality. It just goes to show practicality things that are easy it it, it's effective it works you know it's it it always will work um mikey you got any do you can you think of any stunts that stuck out to you
2: uh well i always loved the right before he flips on the semi uh right when they jump the tracks together like side by side i always liked that one i always thought it was real when i was a kid but i remember watching the the bonus features and I guess, like, it makes sense, obviously, but the the train is edited behind them, and that train is actually never even there, like, yeah. It, it's, it, yeah, which is obvious to me now, but when I was a kid, I was like, that's awesome, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah.
0: and just goes to show, you know, the editing, like, the yeah, editing yeah, of this movie is top-notch, and the way this movie even looks, like, the filter, the grain that they use on it, I mean... I Mm -hmm. totally buy it. I buy that they're in, you know, California. I buy Mm -hmm. the the whole vibe of it, and they never use that again. Every movie after that is just cuts and filmed super clean. Like there's not really any filters put on it, and I think that's a reason why. uh, You know, a big reason is the way that this was shot and cut together and everything is one of the reasons why it's not as corny as some of the other ones. You know, and I think the closest thing that we'll probably get you know, I think fast and furious probably is the closest one to not feeling corner just because of it is, you know, it is, ha- it does have more of a serious tone to it, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm just really excited to go through these and I am not looking forward to watching too fast, too furious, but you know, it was, wills- I was trying to get, out- not I was, that bad. I was trying, yeah, I was trying to, to yeah. Um, I'm going to kill you, Mikey. So is there <laughs> anything else that you guys wanted to bring out before we rein this baby in?
1: Um, I don't
0: have anything. Hmm. I, okay? I
2: don't know. Depends. I, I, well, have, I could.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we kind. Unfortunately, we kind of need to wrap it up. But yeah. if we need to talk about something in a later episode that you think of, if you can think of it, we definitely will bring it up because as we've established, we can talk about these movies for hours. So yeah, you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah. let's uh, I, go ahead.
2: One thing I could say is Vince sucks at guitar.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. Well, and it's funny because that guy is actually a guitar. He was a guitar teacher. Really? Yes. Yes. He's like a, he's like, I I remember reading that. one chord
2: the entire time. I know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of funny. All right. So let's wrap it up, gentlemen. Let's, let's do a a rating and uh, Caleb, why don't, why don't you, out of 10, what do you, what do you rate this movie?
1: I'm going to give it. I don't want people to get confused with my Star Wars ratings if you've been listening to this forever. So this is just on a completely different scale. L-
0: yeah, this scale. So I'll throw
1: that out there as a disclaimer. Yeah, from now I on think- for,
0: for this right here, these movies, this is based on enjoyment. So yeah, absolutely. That's what absolutely. it should be based off of. The rules don't apply um, here. <laughs> to this, an to an extent. A nine for me, okay. I think it's
1: incredibly enjoyable. It's I mean, it's not perfect. No movies like completely perfect. But it's it's a solid nine for me. This movie is incredibly entertaining.
0: Okay, Mikey.
1: Oh man, I'm just looking at my notes.
2: Uh, <laughs> I I I don't want to deduct anything because I love this movie and it's like a really big part of my childhood. But there's little parts like Murda's character. Oh man, I hate that guy. That I, I hate. I think that's the point of him though. So, like, in my heart, I give it a 10, but, like, if I if I take into account everything in, like, reality, I'd probably give it an 8. Okay. But, but in my heart, it's a 10.
0: <laughs> okay. So, Mikey's a 10 out of 10. Um yeah. I, you know, we can go on and on about the rules and stuff like that. And if we want to, you know, I don't want to have two scores. So, whatever score you want to feel comfortable with. For me, this is a 9 out of 10. You know, I'm going to take... Part of of my enjoyment of a movie is trying to take everything into consideration and, you know, putting my nostalgia aside, I think this movie near perfectly executes what it sets out to do. So, you know, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. There's a couple of annoyances. I wish I knew more about certain characters and I wish certain character profiles came across more... I wish character profiles came across more clearly and were... Had had continuity with how other people describe their characters, so that's a that's you know one small thing that I noticed this time. I was like, wait a minute, Dom's supposed to be this guy that no one can get close to, but he's at the same time very accepting. And you know we kind of talked about that a little bit, but it was a, just a very minor gripe, nitpick that didn't seem to be concurrent, especially since you know, which you, I guess you could do a, a character study on on Dom, but we don't have time for that. But. <laughs> anyways next month gentlemen we will be reviewing too fast too Furious as always you can email us at geeklybyweekly one at gmail.com you can follow us on obviously you're listening to the podcast but you can follow us on Instagram Twitter at the wannabe critic um, you can go follow our YouTube or my YouTube anyways um, I'm trying I have I say our because I have lots of guests on there all the time. Um, it's also at the wannabe critic. You can check that out. Caleb, where can they find you? My G.
1: Um, so on Instagram, I do a podcast and a blog about the Kansas city chiefs, but if you want to follow me on there, I'm at chief in, in, on Instagram at chief in, 18 on Twitter. So you can check me out there. Um, or you can read my blog too. If you're into the chiefs or that kind of stuff, otherwise just keep listening to me here
0: (laughs) that's right and Mikey you don't matter so let's wrap it up no I'm just kidding where can they find you Mikey do you have any social media you'd like to share anything
2: uh no I am a ghost I live off the grid except for right now because I'm on a podcast on the internet nice uh (laughs) so no
0: this is also a good time to announce that Mikey is going to be a regular wannabe critic with us on this particular project. Mikey and I will also be starting a, a side project um, as we get it more and more figured out. We have a lot of topics we want to discuss, and he just bought a brand new microphone, so he is eager and ready to go. Um, Woo! So look out for that because we have uh, we have a new cast member, and we're uh, we're very excited to have him. And and I appreciate you making the time and. And uh, I respect your drive and your commitment, my guy, and I'm excited to work with you. So, gentlemen, thank you so much again for making time. Listeners, we love you. Um, We want to thank you for tuning in, and we want to thank you for preparing yourself for a plethora of hot takes and potentially unpopular opinions. I'm Gabriel Fast.
1: I'm Caleb Henley.
2: And I'm Mikey Collins.
0: And we will always be wannabe critics.